Good evening and welcome to Elosa Fumar Takes. This is our 281st take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. We've got a first-time guest tonight, and I'm so excited to bring this gentleman on. It's going to be an amazing show. We're going to talk about an amazing journey and some incredible cigars to boot, so definitely stick around for this one. You don't want to miss it, uh, but... Before we get to formal introductions of our guest of honor, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate is doing it again, once again, with the Freestyle Live event packs, sometimes called mystery packs. They've offered a pre-launch experience for consumers who wish to deeply engage in each of Drew Estate's new production releases. The exclusive packs introduced during Freestyle Live Special Edition broadcasts, um, which was actually held a month ago today, have an MRSRP of about $40 and are actually worth way more. Each pack contains three mystery premium cigars without brand identification, a sleek freestyle live high quality torch lighter, cigar cutter, and a freestyle live leather keychain strap. In addition to these premium items, each event pack includes a freestyle live badge equipped with a unique QR code that allows purchasers to enter sweepstakes for a chance to win extraordinary prizes. The grand prize is, of course, a luxury custom pool table valued at $11,500. Uh, for and a first place prize of a laptop valued at forty six hundred dollars. Additionally, ten luxury uh, lucky entrants will win a custom subculture studios ashtray valued at one hundred fifty dollars each. Jonathan Drew, founder and president of Drew Estate, from the Windwheel Cocktail Lounge in Miami State. Freestyle Live is an event with an important purpose that always creates a big buzz for our brick and mortar premium cigar partners. We want cigar consumers to be in in the cut with us, celebrating each new cigar release together. We love our people. So if you want to check out what the new cigar is that Drew Estate is launching through this Freestyle Live pack, check out the Freestyle Live event on March 14th, just less than one month away. We find out what the new cigar is from the Freestyle Live packs. And welcome, everyone. This is our 281st take. So without further ado, let's get to introductions of our guest of honor. Tonight's guest is sponsored by United Cigars, Smoke One Today, and Start Living United. Mr. Eric Bay of Black Starline Cigars. Eric, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, brother. How about you? Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us tonight. I, I, this has been a long time coming. I've wanted you to have you on the show and, uh, it, uh, that, you know, I finally, uh, fi- I've, I finally got around to asking you and you, we, we finally got around to making it happen. So thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, uh, well, I wanted to, there were a couple of things I wanted to kick things off with. Um, you know, just some I've interviews that I've read of yours and, and, and some, and other conversations and everything that I've, or you have and stuff like that, but I, man, I was, I was really enjoying going down your Facebook feed, man. You're, you're really, I, I don't know who, if you know, Chrissy Critchfield from Kentucky, man, she's a big meme fanatic, but you okay. kind of right. You rival her on the memes, dude. Like there, there's, 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 some, there's some pretty good ones. Um, yeah. Like, it's like just, the post to make people laugh, bro. Yeah, man. That's there. There were some good ones, dude. The, the Sesame street ones were really kind of, we're really getting to going. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, what like what is it? You, you, I think you kind of just said it. You just kind of like to do it, just, just, just to give people a chuckle, or what? Yeah, just having fun. You know, some people are having a bad day, man. They might see a meme and laugh, and they brighten their day up. So, yeah, just having fun. I like to laugh at stuff and have a good time. Yeah, that's good. Um, have you ever created your own? No, never. No, I just, I just take other people's work and use it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I uh, I have this app called Mematic, and like every every so often, I I usually do it like in, in as inside circles. I don't like doing mm-hmm. for like public and stuff. Like I'll like if like if text through my I've I'm in several. I'm sure you are too. I'm in several text threads, and so like I'll grab pictures mm-hmm. of the members and like create my own memes and stuff like that. And that's it's it's a it's a fun <laughs> little app. You get to have some fun with it and everything. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Where were we before memes, man? Like before, like seriously, like I feel like they've been around forever, but I think it's only been like like five years that they've ever that they've really been kind of prominent. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, we just talk about people to their face. That's all. <laughs> I guess that was what it was. Uh, it's awesome. where where are you where do you kind of where do you find them? Like, do you just like when you're scrolling and stuff and you save them? Like, yeah, just scrolling through it on the timeline, bro. Yeah, so, awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'm I'm really excited. I know you you've already lit up and everything, and you're smoking tonight. But uh, I was just seeing. Um, I've got a couple cigars here, and uh, as a tradition here on the show, I always ask my guest of honor uh, to pick mm-hmm. my cigar for me. Uh, you, of course, know what they are because I talked to you a little bit about. But let me go ahead and introduce them to our audience as well. Um, so, but I think you'll you'll like your your cha- uh, choices of selection tonight. Um, all from Black Star Line cigars, of course. I've got uh, the Rosewood, uh, 1923. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the two war. I have two war witches. I have the war witch Connecticut and the dark war witch as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. got those. So what cigar would you like me to smoke tonight, sir? Smoke the dark war witch. That's what I'm smoking right now. So okay. smoke with me. You got it, man. You got it. So uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about your cigars uh, here in just a little bit too. But um, w- tell us a little bit about this cigar. It's the second. It's the second in the War Witch line. Um, I it know. is. But uh, but tell us a little bit about this cigar. Dark War Witch is the follow-up version, like you said, to the Connecticut War Witch. Connecticut War Witch was the original one that came out a few years back. Uh, Dark War Witch is uh, it's the same blend, but it's a Corojo ninety nine wrapper instead of the Connecticut shade, and then it has Molejero in it uh, to make it a little stronger. Okay. So, yeah, everybody wanted a darker version of the, of the War Witch, and that, that's what I came out with. Nice. <clears throat> Nice. It's a beautiful looking wrapper, man. I love the right off the get. I love the smell mm-hmm. of this. Uh, so I'll be. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna reveal something. This is the first time I've ever had this cigar, so I'm excited about it, man. Uh, I'm excited to be smoking it with you. So and uh, this is uh, this is uh, this one's manufactured in uh, at uh, in Nicaragua, correct? Yeah, Aganorsa Leaf. Aganorsa. Yeah, Aganorsa Leaf produce uh, majority of the cigars that I make. Mm-hmm. I do deal with Tabacola, La Isla, Santiago, Dominican Republic, and I also roll at uh, Oveja Negra. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Black Label Trading Company. And then uh, I added another factory in. Uh, it's La Zona. Uh, Espinosa Cigars. So I'm doing something with them this year as well. Oh, that's exciting. And so you're you working hand-in-hand with Hector? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. exciting. Oh, well... Just count. You can already count. You can already count it in the bag, Eric. I'm already gonna love this cigar. That, <laughs> I, I say this all the time. Hector, the way that Hector and Eric blend, they uh, they something about their signature, man. That it, it, I, I very, I, I can't. Uh, I have one. I, I can count one cigar of theirs that I, I didn't particularly care for. That didn't hit yeah. my palate. But everything else just yeah, freaking, yeah. freaking works. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great factor. That's exciting. Will you be announcing that cigar at PCA this year? Yeah. So um, 
I just paid the factory, so they started. They just started rolling, but I will have some limited samples at, at PCA for uh, you know for people to try. Oh, you cool. know, and then um, they should be shipping like mid May, uh, June, early June, somewhere in there. Okay. All right. So they'll okay. be in stores like just around the time for the summertime. <clears throat> Rock on! So a pretty quick turnaround. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, um, well, let's get into it. Um, um, this is this is part, speaking of Lazona. We got uh, our tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people. Yes, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins Protocol has always been about honor, passion. And yes, the people, it's what their life's work has been and always will be about Power of the P Protocol Cigars. So, Eric, um, kind of wanted to take a step back. Again, this is your first time on the show, and I, I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, kind of explore a little bit about your story and background and everything. Um, um, and uh, again, just really excited to, to kind of explore the journey a little bit with you um, as we kind of mm-hmm. smoke your cigars together. What did you say you were pouring? What, you, you said you were drinking something, too. Uh, I am drinking uh, Hewling, Hewling Station. Okay. It was uh, it's out of Memphis. So let me oh, get nice. in the camera there. There you go. It's a, it's a bourbon. Nice. Hundred proof. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So I've got a Russell Reserve Rye, six year age, ninety proof, and then I've got some Talisker, uh, single malt, uh, Scotch mm. whiskey, ten year. What do you think would go good with the? Uh... Go with the Russell. All right. You got it. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, wonderful. So, Eric, I, okay, we're, I know we're going to get into your time in Chicago and stuff. Is that where you grew up, though? Did you grow up in Chicago? I grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago. So I grew okay. up in Glenwood. Okay. It's not too far out of Chicago. But I live in Chicago. I've been living in Chicago for years though. Okay. Which so okay, like I don't I don't wanna like I'm gonna totally like just step in. I'm not I'm not as familiar with Chicago and everything, but so would mm-hmm. you consider yourself a South Sider? Yeah, I live in the South Side right now. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. So are so you are you a White Sox fan or actually baseball bores me, bro. Oh, so man. it's not, it's, okay. yeah, it's not enough going on in there. Uh, one of my favorite athletes ever was Bo Jackson. And uh, when he was playing for the White Sox back in the day, I went to see him play and uh, I fell asleep. And then 10 <laughs> years after that, I took my son, <laughs> I took my son to his first baseball game. I had one beer, bro, and I fell asleep. It, just, it didn't hold my attention. That's, you know? Oh, God, uh, that's funny. Football, basketball, you know, boxing. Yeah, it's a little more action going on. So it holds my attention a little bit better. <laughs> Uh oh! <laughs> I I'm a, I'm a, I'm a baseball nut, man. I'm a huge baseball guy, so that's why my my net, my my question naturally went there. And everything. So, um, mm-hmm. so I mean, this is going to be the double whammy. You don't like baseball, but does that make you? Are you also a Bears fan too? Yeah, eighty five Bears. Okay, eighty five. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm an era fan. So when a lot of my favorite players retire, I retire with them. So I don't really watch as much as I used to. I used to know stats and all kinds of stuff with sports and all that. I just, you know, Kobe was the last one out of all sports. And when he retired, I was, I was like completely done. So a lot of the newer players, I don't, I don't know their names. Like I can walk, one can walk past my house right now. I wouldn't know who they are, you know? Yeah. So 
it's just that they, they they don't interest me that much anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know as much of the the younger stars in the league of the NBA anymore. I, I mean, I know my team. I'm a Celtics fan. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so Celtics, Red Sox, Boston Bruins for hockey, and then the Packers for football. This is why I say we're gonna have a double whammy if you're a Bears fan too. So, um, <laughs> but um. But yeah, the NBA, there's just a younger contingent there. Just a lot of names. I'm like, who the heck is that? And they're like, oh, this is a four time yeah. All Star. I'm like, wow, I missed that. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, but, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, uh, sorry, are you just not watching very much many sports now? Cause you, like you said, or you're kind of done or like. Yeah, I mean, I watch like playoffs and, and like bigger games like the Super Bowl, you know, when it's like, you know, either win or go home. You know, because that's when everybody's really, really playing because they want to win. You know, I watch those type of games, but just regular season games. Nah, I, if if I'm in a cigar lounge and it's on, I, you know, I'll watch it and I, I'll enjoy it. But it's not it's not in my blood anymore. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, what did you think of the Super Bowl last week? That was a pretty that was a pretty fantastic game. Yeah, it was a good game. Yeah, it was a good game. Um, I thought the 49ers were going to pull it out and they they shit the bed. So, hey, Casey yeah. got it. Man, the video circulating social media this week with all this 49er fans just going ape shit, like some were trashing TVs and stuff. I I was making like I I'm a I'm a huge sports fan. Like I'm a and I follow my teams and I'm I, I I'm still very much into my teams and stuff like that. Um okay. and when I I mean when they when they lose, it sucks. I just can't imagine losing my mind so much that I'm just like damaging property or like like yeah, like that's absurd. It's, it's it really is insane. Like it was really nuts just to see some of those videos flowing around. It's it was crazy. But uh, mm-hmm. so grow so growing up in Chicago, um, and then you you ended up you ended up being becoming a firefighter. I know that. Did you? Um, and I see the banner behind you. I was actually going to ask this. I know you're a member of Cap Alpha Psi. Um, I am. Twenty seven years. Um, it's a, I mean, that's a pretty prestigious fraternity. I mean, that, that goes back. That's it's the end of it there. I mean, it goes back to like, I, I actually, random fact, I actually know some of the story. You're probably going to correct me though on it, but I mean, mm. it started in Indiana university, right? Yep. Um, 1911. Yeah. I mean, it was one of the very first, it was like the first, correct? The, the first black fraternity or, or the second alpha Phi Cap- alpha was before us. That's right. Okay. Okay. Mm. And it was actually Kappa Alpha New, right? Before it was Kappa Alpha. You got it. Okay. Yep. And then my chapter came and it changed the Kappa Alpha side. Right. So I'm I'm from the beta chapter, Greater Beta. And um, yeah, so the name was changed at, at my school. So my chapter is very significant to the organization because there was no Kappa Alpha side before my chapter. Right on. So where uh and, and then where did you go to school again? University of Illinois, Champaign and Urbana. Denver. Okay. Um and when did when did that? So I mean, when did that? Uh, when did the beta chapter come around? When was that? Nineteen nineteen thirteen. Yeah. So yeah, okay. we. Mm-hmm. So pretty quick, pretty quick. Um, I man, there. I I was I was doing a little bit. I actually knew a little bit of the story of Cap Alpha Psi. I um, I knew a couple of guys that I went to school with that were that were members. So I, that's where I knew a little bit about it. Um, that's cool. but it's a great, it's a great, um, great organization, great network. Um, really, mm-hmm. really fantastic people. There's some pretty, there's some pretty popular alumni too, that have been, uh, been, a, been, a, been a member other than yourself, of course, and everything. But, um, I, here's the question that I've never had the opportunity to ask on the show as being a part mm-hmm. of a fraternity and stuff. Cause it's never really come up. Like what are, 
what are some of the benefits that you've seen of being again longstanding? It's it's got and it's got a, mm. a massive membership. Yeah. Um, and then there's some people that have probably some people in my audience that have probably never been exposed to any type mm. of Greek system or any kind of fraternal order or anything like that. What what are some of the I guess I mean, you know, you've been you've been out of college about as long as I have. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how, I mean, how long, like, what are some of the benefits still of being part of that organization? It's a lifelong brotherhood, a lifelong network. I've gotten jobs because I was, a, I'm a new, um, you know, we help each other as much as we can. You know, when one brother needs money or anything like that, we, we are always taking care of each other and we're always doing work. You know, we're always doing charity and then helping the community as well. So it's a, it's a lifelong brotherhood and, you know, it was one of the one of the best things that I could have done in my life is joining Cap Alpha Tau. Um, what's um, so I, it's unlike like because like I I was part of a Christian fraternity in college too, um, as well, and like there's, you know, we still get together and everything like that. And yeah, it, it's it's, I mean, it runs deep as well in the terms of like mm-hmm. you know like brothers helping out other stuff and everything but like i mean it's still like it's like almost like a not just not just what you kind of described but it's also like a lifelong membership like once you're in like it's not just a college thing right it's like you, i mean you guys are still like you guys still get together like there's still tons of alumni events yeah. there's still tons of like, yeah. charity events as you mentioned too like mm-hmm. some some but there's a there's a there's a pretty infamous founders day too right or or founders event. yeah january 5th Okay. Yeah, call it J five. Yep. Okay. What 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 uh, what like what kind of stuff goes around that particular parties, bro? <laughs> yeah, they just partying. <laughs> it's a good time. Everybody's okay. getting yeah. Everybody's getting together. They partying. Yeah, it's just it's just a good time. Nice. Yeah. So they're celebrating the, you know the anniversary of the of the uh, fraternity being founded. That's awesome, man. What uh, um, you mentioned that you've gotten a job before. Was that through the fire department or was that post post retirement from the fire department? No, it was way before. Way before. Way before. Okay. Like, yeah, like jobs with the banks, uh, CDW. I've gotten jobs through through campus that already work there. You know, so it's, like I said, it's it's a great networking because it's just it's brothers all over the world. You know, and you can go to a different city and you know run into a, a brother from Cap Alpha side and they'll, they'll look out for you. You know, tell you where to go. Uh, you know, uh, hang out with you, make sure you're all right when you're in their city, that type of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what are because I know I was I was trying to think off the top of my head. I had to look up, up a couple of, but because I like I knew like Martin Luther King was he was an alpha, right? He was an yep. alpha. Jordan is an alpha too, right? Michael Jordan was an alpha as well. Omega, Omega, Omega Sci-Fi, Omega Sci. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are some some of the uh, the the notable alumni from Kappa Alpha Psi that you? I guess that you crash will chamberlain yeah john singleton uh he's he's part of the reason why i named the cigar rosewood 1923 because john singleton did a movie about rosewood back mm-hmm. in the early 90s and you know he passed away uh maybe about four years ago i think it is so i yeah, wanted to pay homage to him mm-hmm. one of my favorite directors man like him and f gary gray um i just mm-hmm. made some really really cool films include that and then mm-hmm. yeah especially that that rosewood man that never got if he had had the if he had had the juice that he had towards the end of his career 
that mm. film could have been fucking fire. Like that could yeah. have that really could have done something. Um, yeah, it was earlier on in his career. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's the thing. I wanted to talk to a film because I know you're a huge film guy too. Um, mm-hmm. But like that was one of the things that I, I like. I find that 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 sometimes films are made too early. Or the mm-hmm. people that make them are too like early in their careers, and then there's times that they like absolutely hit. Um, because I know you're a big Spike fan, uh, Spike mm-hmm. Lee. I'm I'm a huge Spike Lee fan. Um, and Do the Right mm-hmm. Thing is probably one of my favorite films. Yeah, it's and, a great and movie. I, and I know I know it's one of your favorites, yeah. right? He is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that I also know that The Godfather Two is one of your favorite films as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a great movie too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so here's here's the hot take, right? So we did a on this show. We did a we did a movie. Uh, we do a movie episode twice a year. Uh, I bring on a couple guests. We just talk about a movie uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. So we did the Godfather's 50th anniversary, the first one. Okay. I, I I think you agree with me on this. My here's my hot take: the Godfather two, like Godfather one, is the more iconic, more rewatchable more like the more quotable one but the godfather mm-hmm. is a, the godfather 2 is a better film yeah just like uh, the first alien and then aliens the sequels the, the sequel is better than the first one yeah uh, it's one uh, of the really rare cases where the sequel actually is just better mm-hmm. it's just like it's a better film yeah um robert de niro uh is absolutely amazing in godfather oh yeah i freaking love it it's unbelievable uh what what um what is it about the uh what is it about Godfather Two that you really like? Like, what it like? What? When did you did you uh, watch it pretty early, or is it would like? Is it like something you picked up later on in life? I think I saw it when I was a kid. Um, I mean, with Michael Corleone, it was more more of him in there, and it developed more of his story instead of talking about his father and the brothers yeah. and all that. It was more so him and, and his journey and how he became, you know, became the Godfather. You know, so. Um, then I like how they flashed back and like you said, went to Robert De Niro and talked about that. So, you know, it kind of mixed in the past and then it mixed in the the, the present of Michael Corleone. So mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, I, I really confess like the, the, like the back and forth really threw me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like everybody does that in film, like everybody, yeah. there's so many, like every movie, there's like these, ba- these fast, you know, these these fast forwards and, and, and rewinds and stuff in film, like in alternate realities and stuff like so. And mm-hmm. it all goes back to the Godfather too. Like that was the original, like Francis Ford Coppola really put that on the map and stuff. Like it was really good. Yeah. Um. What, what's uh what's been a recent film of yours that you like that you've gone and you're just like, man, this is like one of my new favorites. Like just. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually just watched beekeeper last night. That was a good movie. Oh really? Yeah, okay. with um, uh, Jason Statham. Jason Statham, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like Jason Statham. I need to check that out. I, uh, um, that the that the most attractive name, Beekeeper, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's good. Uh, he's he he doesn't make a bad movie. Yeah, it's so. in the vein of like John Wick, a lot a lot of action, you know, a lot of shootings, that type of thing. So, John Wick is so mm-hmm. good. It's such a good series. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, uh, we have a comment in the chat. I, I have to ask though. Okay, so Godfather two, we like it more than Godfather one. What's your take on Godfather three? This is always a hot button issue, people. Um, I mean, I liked it. Um, Andy Garcia was good, in, good in that movie. I'm, I'm a fan of Andy Garcia. Yeah. Um, it was good. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like part two, but it, it was a good follow up to it. You know, and it, it was enjoyable and entertaining. 
I think that's the best compliment I can give it. It was it was entertaining. There's some yeah. like Andy Garcia is good in it. There's some pretty atrocious acting in it though. <laughs> like <laughs> Sofia Coppola is really bad. She really she's they needs to stick to directing. Um, mm. She's awful uh, in it. But um, but man, it yeah, entertaining is probably it, it's a nice wrap up and conclusionary story. I like how yeah. they tied in the Vatican. It was really interesting um, mm-hmm. for sure and stuff. Um, but um, what other like um, what other Spike going back to Spike Lee? What other because um, one of my favorite like most underrated films I feel like um, is 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 one of Spike Lee's films that no one really talks about. It's the Twenty Fifth mm-hmm. Hour. I love the Twenty Fifth Hour. Oh, with um, like Edward uh, Nor- Edward but, yeah. Yeah, but Norton is in there. Yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty good. I I don't remember it whole hard. I don't. I think I only seen it once or twice. Yeah. Um, Clockers is one of my favorites for uh, Spike Lee. Uh, he got game was good. Um, the soundtrack was excellent. Yeah. The Public Enemy on there. Um, I mean, Spike Lee's got a bunch of really good movies. You know, yes. School Days is one of my favorite ones. You know, because it talks about pleasure and college life and all that stuff. So, yeah. So School Days is was excellent too. Loved uh, um, Malcolm X was iconic. It's a mm-hmm. it's it's a shame. It That's took probably him, his best one. Yeah, it's a shame that it took him like almost thirty more years to win an Oscar. He should have won it for that film. That was incredible, mm-hmm. incredible filmmaking. Mm-hmm. The Black Klansman, that what he actually did win it for was actually it was incredible. Is incredible too. That's a great film. Um, yeah. Inside Man. Um, yeah, I've seen that one too. Yeah, him and uh, Denzel. Denzel's, Denzel's in that one. Yeah, him and Denzel really team up. Mo Better Blues, and then uh, yeah, uh, that's a good one too. Denzel was actually supposed to do be and do the right thing, but he had a scheduling conflict. Ah, I know, didn't I know that. Know, I don't know what he was going to be though. Like I look back and I'm like, what could he have done? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he he's such a great actor. He could have played any role in there though. Yeah, so. I guess that's true, for sure. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, going back to going back to time time in Chicago, um, and obviously mm-hmm. you're uh growing up there everything and then you became a firefighter and how mm-hmm. how long you you were a 20 plus years right no i was on the job seven years seven years and, okay uh, yeah i got hurt i tore my labrum on my hip really bad and i herniated a disc in the low, my lower back oh my so gosh. i actually had to have surgery on my on my hip and because uh, my, my my labrum was torn really bad and I had to go through four doctors to find one that was competent enough to fix it. So I found one that was able to fix it, but it, you know, it, it still hurts. It's there. I sit here and it hurts. So oh I'm, I was effectively put on duty disability and uh, I just sell cigars, bro. Well, man, that stinks. Was it, uh, was, did it happen during, during a call or was it during a training exercise or like what, 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 uh, what I, was, I was extricating the kid out of a car. Okay. So when I popped the door to to uh, get the door open, I slipped, and one leg went one way, and one went the other, and, and that was it. So, oh, mm-hmm. Wait, if, again, it's kind of hard to go back and stuff like that. But if you know, would, would do you think if uh, do you think you would still be on the job today? Do you think you would have you would have made it a career? Oh yeah, I would have done at least twenty years. Yeah, did at you least really, twenty. You really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a great job, bro. Great job. I've saved lives. I saved property. I, I wasn't a lazy firefighter. I was always working at an active firehouse. So I was, I was on, on truck twenty four. It's tower ladder twenty four now. But yeah, we I, I've I've gone to a lot of fires, you know. So 
I've, I've made my mark and I, I did what I needed for the, I needed, uh, I did what I needed to do for the, for the community. And now it's time for some younger guys to do it. I have some really close friends of mine that are firefighters down here in Texas. Chicago, uh, like I hear, and you just said you were a part of a really active firehouse and everything like that. And I know that their each d- district is different. Like my buddy's down in Dallas and he, like he, mm-hmm. he, he was for a while, you know, he's, he's, he's bumped around a couple of times, but he was really, um, he was a really slow firehouse when it drove him crazy and everything. And I was like, what do you mean a slow fire is like, dude, they're, they're slow and there's not slows. And he explained that whole thing to me and everything, but Chicago mm-hmm. is like kind of renowned for being, I'm sure it's the same way. I'm sure there's pockets, but it, like, it's a pretty mm-hmm. active fire department. Like it's like you, there's mm-hmm. there's always something going on and, and there's a lot of moving and stuff around. Yeah, there. there's some areas where you'll get all medical calls. There's some areas where you get all fires. There's some areas where you get a mix and there's some areas where you do nothing. Like you work at the airport, you're not doing anything, literally. And you'll be 24 hours, you'll be trying to find something to do. So, um, but like on the south side and on the west side, that's really like the hot areas where where people that want to be active in the fire department, that's where they go to work. That's cool. But so there's a lot because like that's something that's still like even down here in Texas, like fires are few and far between, which is interesting. But there's a lot there. There are some areas in Chicago where fires are pretty, like you said, pretty prominent and they like, happen consistently. You're laughing Almost at me. every day, I, I, I twice know, a day. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy to me. That's yeah, crazy. yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Depending on where you're working at, you might go to a fire every shift or more than one every shift. Well, I know it's because Chicago's like an older city, and there's like older homes mm-hmm. and older neighborhoods and stuff like that. Is that how, is that what it's is that why why it is? Or I've been I've been to fires where we got a call for one fire, and I showed up, and there was three fires because some of the houses are close together. So the fire started in one house, and then the fire jump over to another house and start that fire, and then you got a real long night ahead of you. I um, love that. I love asking this question of like servicemen, first responders, and since we talked about movies already, what's the worst movie that you've seen that's a representation of firefighting or she or TV show? I'll throw that in there. It was Chicago Fire is one of them. Um, the worst, back, <laughs> yeah. Backdraft is entertaining, but it's not. You know, it's, I, it's a movie. Most people, most yeah. people quote backdraft. They're like, it's backdraft is awful. It's the worst. Yeah, like, if you if you actually know the job, yeah, none of none of the stuff they're doing in there, no, we, we wouldn't do that. So, my favorite part about backdraft is they're uh, uh, when they're they're going back through a, a, a warehouse or whatever that they just put a fire out and they're all lighting up cigarettes and stuff. That's my favorite. I'm like, that just doesn't seem right to me. I feel like that would be a problem. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, they would be uh, doing overhaul as when the fire is put out and we're still pulling walls to make sure that the, the fire is not in the walls or in the ceiling and stuff like that. And, and some, some guys will have their mask off and they would, they would smoke cigars while they're doing it. Oh wow! It's not the smartest thing to do, but some people did it. <laughs> okay, so that's a little accurate. Okay, that just seems kind of weird to me. Okay, cool. All right, all right, yeah. cool. Yeah, it happens. You learn something new every day. Awesome. Inhaling burning plastic and stuff like that is not too smart, but some people do it. <laughs> um, oh, interesting. Um, I, I the uh, speed of Chicago Fire. Um, just the TV aspect. I I also know you're a huge fan of a show that i really love too is one of my favorites in the last few years is sons of anarchy right you're yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, Sons of Anarchy. That's a great show. Oh man, Breaking was, Bad was yeah. one of my favorites. I love Sons of Anarchy. It was fantastic. Who's your Who is your favorite character? That's always my favorite thing to ask because there's so in many. Sons? Yeah, in Sons, like there's so uh, many. Chibs or Jax? Yeah, those Chibs was, was, <laughs> was he was gold on the show. You know, yeah, it was good. So, um. Yeah. Opie's death scene is probably up there. It's probably one of the most horrific death yeah. scenes in television, man. Like the most tragic. Yeah, that was like, sad. yeah I fucking when, cried. When I, Jack, I, I cried, man. I'm not. Ash- I'm not ashamed yeah. to admit it. I cried. I cried. Really when Jax got that revenge on the guy, that was yeah. Uh, that, that was, was that was great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they they brought in some killer villains, like some great character actors, like Ron Pernod, who played, that played that guy. Um, mm-hmm. they brought in to to be the to. That he was like the villain of the season and stuff. They brought in some really great character actors over the years to like bring in it. Like uh, Adam Arkin was good. Um, he's usually a good guy. He played a really good bad guy. It was really great. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Ron per- Ron- and Ron Perlman is Clay Marlowe. I think that was a really great performance by him. I think he was really good. <laughs> yeah. So, That's one of my favorite favorite performances he's done. Is in Sun- yeah. that Sun's Anarchy. Good stuff. Awesome. Um. Well. Wanted to dive obviously back into to cigar. So okay, so you you got hurt on the job, um, mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, what did you did, was was cigars the first foray after after you know life settled down, or did you did you try did you try day jobs like what uh, what how, how no. did that transpire? I actually started the company when I was still on the job. Okay. It was just in the infant stages of, of the company. And then I got hurt shortly after that. And then I just started promoting the, the company more because I knew that was going to be my bread and butter. Uh, I'm, I haven't had another job since the fire department. So that, that was, that was my last formal job. You know, before that I was, a uh, I was in law school. I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. I was a licensed banker with Chase. Um, oh, wow. I've sold computer parts with CDW. I sold just about every, everything you can think of. I, in my early twenties, I had a, I had a, a business where I was selling cologne on the street, like knockoff colognes. I would sell that on the streets, you know. So I've, I've sold a lot of stuff, though. Always you hustling, know. man. That's crazy. Yeah. What? Um. Where Where were you going to law school at? John Marshall, it's downtown Chicago. Okay. So I was a two L there. That's the second year, and um. I was in the middle of the second year and I got the uh, the letter to uh, be invited to become a firefighter and go to the fire academy. So I had to make a choice on whether or not I was going to continue law school or go to the fire academy. Because here in Chicago, the uh, the age cut off to be a firefighter is 38. And when they sent the letter, I was 37. So oh, I was yeah. like, I could always go back to law school. But I mean, this is one and done for the fire department. So and there's a lot of broke lawyers out there and. Uh, becoming a firefighter in, in Chicago is like hitting the lottery, you know, because it's, it's, it's thousands of people that take the test when they have it. People come from all over the nation to try to become a firefighter here, you know, because not only is it a great job, but they pay very well, too. You work 85 days a year and you, and you make it six figures. So it's like a part time job that you're making six figures, a dangerous part time job, but you're making a, yeah. you know, a, a really good living in 85 years, 85 days out of the year. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go to the fire department and, you know, if I had a feeling to go back to law school, I will. I never did. Uh, my attention span isn't, isn't there anymore. If I, if I sit down too long in the class, I, I'll go to sleep. Like it, it's, I, my attention span isn't there anymore. <laughs> you spent a lot of time napping, Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah. Baseball, games, oh, yeah. law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was going to be my question, if you ever had an inkling to go back and stuff just for 
for posterity or anything like that, but just to finish it. No, I'm already 400,000 deep in student loans, so I, I don't want to add anything else to yeah. that. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, we'll uh, we'll come by to see you at PCA and uh, Ben, who's a member of my uh, our team on the Scar Coop Coalition. He's really big into fragrances too. I'm sure you guys can talk a little shop there too, from your Ooh. hustling days. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, man, that so so you started while you were on the job. Like what? So what first got you into cigars? Like what? I mean, did was it mm. where you were introduced to it in the the fraternity or at the firehouse or like when when did firehouse? That okay. Yeah, I started smoking full time at the firehouse. I've, I've had a, one or two cigars before that. Like I was off in the Bahamas and, you know, I didn't know anything about cigars. And, you know, you buy a cigar and, you know, it, 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 I don't even know what it was. It's probably terrible or, or some kind of knockoff like Cohiba or something like that because I didn't know any better. But that was like one or like one or two times. And then I started smoking more at the firehouse. And then that's where I grew my love of the leaf. And then that's what spawned me to want to start start Black Star Line. I'm I'm smoking this this dark war witch man, and it is incredible. You can tell, like you were you mentioned about the Lajero that you guys put in the blend. <laughs> Holy cow, man! And you yeah. can taste it, but it's good. Like it's not it's not overpowering. Like I really get it on the retro hill. Like you really pick up that strength in the retro, but like on the mouthfeel, right. like it's just really nice and rich, and there's some really good spiciness mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is mm-hmm. this is fantastic man i mean you did a i mean you you, you never sometimes there's like to, i mean like respectfully sometimes it's like hit or miss sometimes but you did tweak the blend you said yourself by adding more of the hero but like whenever right. i think like perdomo is a really good example of this they've really mastered the changing of the wrapper but the blend kind of stays the same and i think a lot of people mm-hmm. you know kind of followed that model for for a while and it just mm-hmm. they just they just missed they just weren't doing yeah. that and you know i think as, as cigar manufacturers have improved and maintained over the years like it's they found like okay well we can introduce a dark or a maduro or a different version or corojo mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it and tweak the blend and, and still stay on brand mm-hmm. um but um but it's uh it's it's really good um it's really really enjoyable um, so hey, you, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. I'm 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 stoked. I'm stoked. I'm gonna I'm gonna light up the the rosewood too if I get to a second cigar tonight. My like, holy cow, this is fun. I'm gonna smoke the, the <laughs> original Warwitch tomorrow morning. I think. Um, okay. Man, I'm really man. This is this is damn good. So um, I I, I do want to give a nod to Lone Star Cigars. I picked these up. Trey Andrews was kind enough to hook me up before he went uh, joined back the rep ranks. He joined re, joined uh, EP Carrillo. Uh, as uh, uh, with his second stint for them, but he was able to get me uh, these sent over to me. Um, so which was really, really kind of him. Um, yeah, you've got it's a good dude. Yeah, you got some great partners here in Texas, Underground Cigars. We got a couple mm-hmm. people in the chat asking where they can get us. I know one of the one of the biggest accounts that you landed very early on, and it, you know, true to true to the region you're in, was Binnie's, right? You even have a you even have an exclusive with them. But it wasn't early on. It was I've, I've only been in Benny's maybe about uh two years now. Okay, what was the, yeah. what what was uh one of the the war what was the first account you landed? Where did the underground shop? underground yeah, underground cigar shop? shop? Yep, that was the very first cigar lounge in the entire nation that took a chance on a brand new company. And the reason why Don brought us in was I was always a customer of Underground. And I was talking to him on the phone about an order that I had or, you know, tracking numbers or whatever. 
So I mentioned to him that I had a cigar coming out. And I'm sure he's probably heard that about a billion times. Probably. So he's like, oh, okay, cool. You got a cigar coming out. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's coming out of El Titan de Bronze. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, man, it's coming out of El Titan. And he was like, dude, you know, that's my favorite factory. I was like, no, I didn't know that. And then he says, you're going to sell it through here, right? And at the time, you know, I didn't know anything about the business or anything like that. So I was like, yeah, if you want it, <laughs> yeah, you, you can definitely have it. So he was my very first customer. He he bought a bunch of boxes from me and he hadn't even smoked a cigar. He just went off the strength of the, of the factory that I came from. That's great. And for those that don't know, El Tiden de Bronze is Willie Herrera's family. So I'm like uh, Willie Herrera from Drew Estates. So I'm uh, like a baby, baby, baby cousin to to Drew Estates, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, LT and De Bronze is was the first factor that I worked with, and um, they they gave birth to Black Star Line, bro. So that that's that's one of my favorite factories too. And Sandy is Sandy's probably one of my favorite people in the industry. She's, she's fantastic. That's my cigar mom. Yeah, I always call her my cigar mom. So okay, so you so you're you're in Chicago. You're fighting fires on a daily basis. You're gonna like I'm gonna launch a cigar line. So how? Like, how did you hook up with El Teton? Like, how did that, how did that all transpire? So I started networking at Drew Estate events. So at the time, Jonathan Drew, he had the liquor line that he was bringing out. So one of the main spots he would hit was Benny's. So at the time, I was very fortunate to get in front of him several times because he kept coming back to the area and doing events at different Benny's locations, trying to, trying to push his liquor line. So every time he would come, I would go talk to him. And he's the one that told me about El Teton de Bronze. So I kept calling down there and uh, Sandy wasn't in the factory because her mother was sick. So kept calling, 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 still didn't hear anything. So then I was like, hey, I'm going to send some flowers to her, wish the family well, wish your mother good health, and then also keep me on her mind. So still didn't hear anything. So it was like maybe like two months after that, I uh, it was like a voice in my, I was sitting out here smoking and a voice in my head was like, man, you need to call right now. So I called down there and Giselle, Willie's uh, wife, answered the phone. So I asked for Sandy and Giselle was like, yeah, here she is right here. So Sandy gets on the phone, I told her who I was. And she said, you were the nice guy to send me those flowers a couple of months ago, right? And I was like, yeah, that was me. So she said, hey, you know how to treat a woman? So I'm going to uh, I'm going to do those blends for you. So wow. Black Star Line was, you know, came about uh, through uh, pure persistence and then me sending some flowers. That's awesome, man. I mean, what a what an incredible brand. So. Uh, I mean, what an incredible factory to start off with and everything. Um, so it so it starts to take off for you, and then how uh, what uh, how do you hook up with uh, Aganorsa Leaf? That's the that's the next spot for you, right? So yeah, so I became uh, very acquainted with Sean Williams from Cohiba, mm -hmm. and uh, he's actually my mentor. So he came to Chicago, and so I went to his event. And I was just hanging out with him. So he said, "Hey, what do you want to do with Black Star Line?" And I was like, "You know, I love LT and Bronze. I do, but due to the fact I'm buying tobacco in America, it, that bumps the price up tremendously. Like my original cigars when they came out, they were sixteen, seventeen dollars a piece coming out the gate. Mm -hmm. You know, so I told him I was like, it's expensive. So he's like, "What do you want to do? You want to work with Agonorsa, Placencia? He named a bunch of different factories. So I'm a fan of Kyle and Warped." And uh, at the time, Kyle was working with El Tiden de Bronze and Aganorsa. So I said, right. hey, I think I want to I want to rock with uh, Aganorsa. So Sean said, give me a day or so and I'll get back to you. And um, excuse me. He uh, got back to me the very next day and said, hey, I talked to the VP of sales of Aganorsa. His name is Terrence Riley. He's waiting for you to call him. He wants to work with you. 
So I said, great. So I called him and Terrence, sure enough, was like, hey, what, what kind of blend are you looking for? So I gave him two blends. One's a blend I never used that I didn't like it. The other blend was Warwich. So when I got the samples, <clears throat> man, I was blown away. The way Warwich is now is the way it was in sample mode. I, I didn't have to change a thing to it. It was just special from Jump Street. Oh, nice. And sure enough, I was right. And when I, when I put it on the market, it became the flagship of, of Black Star Line. And, and it, it, just, it just became the driver and pushed us. And it got us a lot of accolades and it got us a lot of, a lot of attention. Because it's a Connecticut shade wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. It's a 6x46 with a soft box press on it. So, but it doesn't smoke like a Connecticut, though. Like your, like your grandfather's Connecticut, like a Romeo and Julieta or, you know, or some of those old school brands that made the mild, boring Connecticut. This one has strength to it. has a lot of character, a lot, a lot of notes in it. It's, it's, it was phenomenal from Jump Street. So that that became the driver, bro, and and then that encouraged me to keep developing lines through Agonorsa Leafs. So, are you still? Uh, I know we're gonna get to some of your newer blends with some other factories here in a moment. We already mentioned a couple mm-hmm. at the top, but are you still making cigars at El Teton in addition to Agonorsa or not right now? I'm gonna go back eventually. I just gotta wrap my my mind around that price point that they have, but because uh, it's high, yeah, it's really high. Oh, it's, gonna um, and I, it's gonna be even higher now. Like sixteen to seventeen dollars oh, yeah. back in the back when you started was 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 high, but now it's yeah, maybe even. More. Oh, it's inflationary times, brother. We're living in inflationary times, so every every factory goes up almost every year. It's nuts. Yeah, you know, and their prices on tobacco. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, so I all your cigars have some really cool stories behind them. We're gonna get to the, the one of the projects we mentioned earlier in the show too. But what's the what's the name what's the story behind the name Warwitch? Where does that come from? Warwitch is a movie. It was about a young lady who has spiritual powers to see her ancestors. It was filmed in the Congo in Africa. So the local army took her with them and anytime they will be uh, uh, potentially get ready to get attacked, the ancestors will actually show up and, and warn her so she can warn the general or whatever. So I uh, I thought it was a great movie, and I was like, it's a great name. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and borrow that name and put it on the cigar. Nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This is this is smoking phenomenal. This is really good. I'm really enjoying this. Um, first time. First time I've ever had it. I'm mm-hmm. really enjoying it. Um, and I'll be, I mean, I'll be candid with you, Eric. The, the you know, I've. Like there's been a lot of stuff out of Agonorsa lately where I feel like it's kind of missed the mark a little bit. There's still some of my favorites and some of my staples that come mm-hmm. out of that factory. Yeah, some yeah. Of the new stuff and everything. This is this is fucking money though. Like holy shit. Yeah, well the difference is is uh it's my palette. The, the, my cigars are based off of my palette. Right. Whereas what they develop is based on whoever whoever's right. palate that's smoking right. it and whoever decides that uh, I don't know how they decide what they're gonna put on the market or not. But the cigars that I do are the blends that I do, and they're and every blend is based. Any blend I put on the market, and it doesn't matter what factory it is, it's based off of my palate. If it doesn't pass me and my team, we're not putting it out. So speaking of speaking of your palate, I knew for a while you were actually. I don't know if you're still doing it, but for for a while you actually had you have a flavored cigar line. Yeah, I discontinued. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were, but you were doing it mm-hmm. like you were doing it in your own your own place, right? Like you were you were actually bro. Me. I was I was infusing everything myself. It was a chore. <laughs> you know, I infuse it myself. I dry them out myself. I store them myself. Like it was it was a lot. It, a lot of people liked them. I don't smoke infused cigars at all. I actually did them 
because people would come to my events and they felt like my regular production stuff was too strong for them. Some of them were newer smokers or that type of thing. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try my hand at the infused stuff. And they were, uh, according to the people that liked that type of cigar, they loved them. I just got tired of doing it. So, and that's, I don't want to be known for infused cigars. I want to be known for my core stuff and limited edition uh, cigars that I put out. So I, uh, I made the decision to, I was like, I'm just going to leave that, that aspect of the business alone. And then, you know, that whole FDA is attacking uh, infused cigars still and that type of thing. They have actually banned them in California. Right. You know, so I was just like, well, if they do end up getting rid of infused cigars, it won't hurt me any because that's not that's not a core part of my business. Yeah, there you go. Plus, like you said, the labor intensiveness on that and the fact that you're doing mm-hmm. it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, since you weren't spo- since you don't spoke, were you, so you weren't even were you even sampling your own stuff? <laughs> I used to. It, it got mind numbing to me. I could I couldn't stand to smoke them anymore. So oh. I would have people that like infused cigars, I will have them smoke them and tell me when they were ready, mm. you know? Uh, but yeah, I used to, I used to taste test all of it. And it, like I said, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was hard for me to do it because the, the taste, the taste of the liquor that I would, it, it just, it, I, I couldn't take it. Mm. So I was just like, I, I'm going to stick to just natural tobacco with, you know, with, with nothing added to it. I, I, I will enjoy an infused cigar here and there. Um, you know, um, you know, I the um, the the acid Big Bang uh, to me tastes like smoking a s'more. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll 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 drop one of those every once in a while and stuff. And then there's a few others uh, out there that I that I'll enjoy from here. You know, here and there. The Sweet Jane from the Deadwood Tobacco True Estate mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I enjoy it. I enjoy them on occasion. They're kind of they're more kind of a kind of a palette reset for me i don't know okay. just, just to just to kind of enjoy here and there and everything but uh but mm-hmm. yeah i'm with i think um i in in very early in my in my time i i definitely uh i definitely made fun of people who smoked infused cigars so that was uh that was my immaturity <laughs> speaking but uh but man they have a place and you know they're responsible for bringing a lot of a lot of people into the into the fold man so you gotta you gotta give yeah acid them. is one of the, the number one selling cigar in the world yeah I think it's the Cuba Cuba, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, the acid Cuba Cuba, man, just insane. Um, yeah, my my to this day, I I I started smoking cigars with my brother, my younger yeah, brother, right. and um, he smoked cigars with me for the longest time. Um, and then I introduced him randomly to an acid blondie, and he hasn't gone back. He he, that's all he smokes is infused <laughs> cigars. He he kind of went backwards a little bit, but I mean, that's what he enjoys, man. So like, hey. Okay. I don't knock it. I don't knock it at all. Um, well, that's cool. Um, so, so you, so you start making cigars out of uh, Agonorsa, mm-hmm. and then um, the last, this past year was pretty busy for you. You introduce a couple of new cigars, and then you also make a pretty big business decision. You did you you end the direct to consumer component of your business. Um, yeah, that's a so that's always kind of a an interesting. Uh, point in uh, a, a company's timeline, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. for, like, why why did you dest- decide to start doing direct to consumer, and then what, and ultimately led to the decision to to cease doing that? Well, coming out, nobody knew who I was, and I didn't have any lounges really outside of underground, you know. 
So I needed a way to be able to get the product out to people, you know. So that's why I was I I started off selling direct consumer right out the gate. So a lot of people, you know, I would post on social media a lot, and people would find my website, and then they would buy, you know. So that was initially the way that I really spread the word about Black Star Lines. Then we grew like crazy and picked up a whole bunch of lounges. So the website started to slow down more because a lot of people like instant gratification where they don't want to wait for this cigar to come in the mail. They just buy it locally. And that's good because they're supporting their local brick and mortar and, you know, and it, it keeps their brick and mortar going. Then furthermore, I, was, I, I started hearing when that there were bigger lounges that wanted to, they were very interested in picking me up, but they would not pick me up if I was selling direct to consumer. So uh, yeah. Abe at Smokin' is one of them. Uh, Abe Froman at uh, at Embargo in Phoenix, uh, he's another one. And then uh, the other ones, they 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 never had the courage to tell me to my face that that's the reason why they weren't carrying me. So I had to make a decision. I was like, hey, do I keep selling online myself as well as in the lounges, or just strictly let the lounges take over? So I chose to let the lounges take over. So I just sell directly to uh, to to lounges. I sell, I sell wholesale to lounges, and and I, and I let them uh, push for me now, because uh, I you know we're we're at about a hundred lounges now, uh, that's great. five years in. Yeah, we're about a hundred lounges, and you know that's a, that's a good number for five years in. That's pretty you fantastic, know? man. Yeah. And yeah, for and your five years, I the uh, I mean you're coming up on what uh, we've uh, we've done kind of Coop and I have done an independent study on this. We find that like the seven year mark kind of really establishes a brand. So you're coming mm-hmm. up on that pretty hot, man. But uh, you're doing fantastic stuff. You're partnering with some great people uh, yeah. and some great retailers, like you said, have picked you up and everything. Um, again, we had this mentioned. So uh, so Underground's the OG. That's the original one. They they obviously still mm-hmm. carry your stuff. We're a couple of other uh, um, a couple other uh, key places around the country where people can pick up your cigars and if they're not around a lounge to go in and get them like you said that instant gratification what about mm-hmm. some, some ones that do that we know that do mail order small batch bravada uh black line luxury in harrisburg uh pennsylvania you can get it from there um oakland tobacconist in uh california they all have online sites and they all carry them so those are just a few that, that off the top of my head yeah, small batch. Small batch is one of um, one of my. I feel like small batch carries everybody. It's funny they they call themselves small batch, but then you go on there and you can get Monte Cristo or Black Star Line, <laughs> like everything from Black Star Line to you know Monte Cristo. It's crazy how they have they have everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're and they're really good people. Um, we mentioned Benny's. You know, I mean that yep. that had for two. You know, two. You've had them for two years now, so th- I guess you got mm-hmm. them three years into the business. That must that would that's a that's a huge, huge yeah. That was a, that was a big win for us. Uh, they support us wholeheartedly, um, and as you stated earlier, we've done so well there that they asked me to do a uh, a special cigar for them. That cigar is called John Baptiste. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, they rated it number one uh, for twenty twenty three, and Rosewood got number six. That's and uh, for 2022, Dark Woolwich that you're smoking now got number three, and uh, Lolly Bella got number ten. So, yeah, the cigars sell extremely well there. That's awesome. Um, Vinny's is a great organization too. They they do some fantastic partnering. Uh, I mean, I know they're known for their liquor sales too, but man, they do some really great cigar work. It's fantastic. I really love yeah. love, love their organization. Um. 
John Baptiste, that's a really cool part. That was that was actually done this past year too that you did with Benny's, correct? Yeah, twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cruel cool twenty twelve rapper, Nicaraguan binder filler, and that one was ruled by Agonor Salif. And uh, that's John Baptiste is named for um, the founder of Chicago, right? Yeah, John Baptiste Point du Sable. Yep, he's a he's a Haitian man, and a lot of people didn't know a Haitian guy actually founded Chicago. So I wanted to pay homage to him. That's great. And you know, and just and just give everybody a, a bit of uh, Chicago history. What what uh, what what is uh, what is your what is your ethnicity and lineage? Did your family come from Africa, the Caribbean? Where where where's your family from? Do you know? No, nah, my family is from uh, Louisiana, but I did a DNA test, um, and my uh, mother's side is uh, from the Mende people from Sierra Leone. And my father's side is from the Bamalike tribe, and that's in um, Cameroon. Okay. See? The scar roots, man. Cameroon all the way back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Grow some mm-hmm. good tobacco in Cameroon. That's fantastic. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, your your last name was intriguing to me because I, I didn't um, – I've, I've honestly never heard it before. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the unique spelling of your first name too, which is interesting. Names are always are, are I find very interesting. So yeah. um <clears throat> let's go. So I I wanted to want to ask that. The um so 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 the uh, special cigar, the Jean Baptiste with with Benny's this year, you released mm-hmm. the Rosewood and that's done with a different factory as yep. well. And then you also partnered with Tabacular de la Isla, Costas's mm-hmm. factory. So yeah, what? Those, yeah. So what? So okay. So you moved from El Tin. That that was a financial decision. You wanted mm. to be able to. So you come to Aganor. So you start partnering with them. What 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 led it to the other decision to go into some of these other factories and start working with other people? And now Lazona will be the 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 next one that you said will mm. be coming out later this year. Well, with Oveja Negra, um, James Brown was one of the original ones that I approached to try to. Uh, when I was looking for a factory to work with me initially before I got with LT and the bronze and um, James Brown just shut me down. He was like, yeah, bro. He like, basically he's like, I don't know you, <laughs> you know, we got this FDA stuff going on. We can't do any business. So I said, fair enough. So I kept it. I, this is all via email. So I actually kept that email as motivation. So um, I ended up running into James Brown at, uh, underground at the NFG, uh, like right when COVID started. So I saw him and I was like, oh yeah, let me go introduce myself to him and let him know, hey, even though you turned me down, I'm still here. So I had on a Black Star Line hoodie. So he saw the hoodie and he was like, hey, is Black Star Line, does that have anything to do with Ghana? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's more so Marcus Garvey, but you know, that's where one of the places Marcus Garvey wanted to take people and goods back to. So I was impressed. I was like, yeah, you, you know, some history. He was like, bro, I lived in Ghana yeah, for like four there. years. He's yeah, so cool he was story. like, yeah, yeah. He was like, I know. He was like, I know a lot about Ghana and the history, and and then there, there's other companies and teams named Black Star Line over there. So then, um, it might have been about a month later, Black Label Train Company started following me on Instagram. So I was <laughs> like, oh, that's cool, you know. So about two weeks after that, James sent me a message in the DM on Instagram, and he said, hey, man, I've been following you for a couple of weeks. Been looking at your page, and he was like, "For a brand, new, uh, pretty much a brand new company, you're doing a fantastic job branding your page out." And he was like, "Based on that, you can use Oveja Negra anytime you want." So yes. I was like, "Wow, you know." So I, there was, our our relationship deepened 
basically off of my Instagram posts. Mm-hmm. So it took a while for us to get the project going because he was expanding the factory. So he finally hit me up and said, hey, man, I'm ready to rock with you. Ready? And I said, hell yeah, let's go. So initially, we were going to do a Ghanaian theme for uh, for the cigar. But the name Rosewood kept popping in my head, and I, I just didn't understand why. And then I ended up, it was in, in uh, January of uh, 2023. So I looked up Rosewood, and lo and behold, it was the 100-year anniversary of Rosewood. And it was almost like the ancestors were telling me, like, dude, call that cigar rosewood because it's gonna it's, it, it brings a lot of meaning to it it brings the, the power from the ancestors that lost their lives in that race riot so i was like yeah bro we're we gonna scrap the Ghanaian theme for now we gotta go with rosewood man you know and then like i said it also pays homage to john singleton so mm. so that's why that's why i named the cigar rosewood 1923 i love to, i know we talked about this before the 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 show launched everything but like i i before i read the the actual release i saw the branding on it and i was like man that that looks straight up that yeah. looks straight up like oveja negra uh something that james brown did. and sure enough that's who you were working with on it i was like oh that's perfect yeah. man yeah um, the cigar dojo does all my branding for bands and boxes and they they nailed that so mm-hmm. looks fantastic so Jor- jordan uh jordan's behind that jordan and eric Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan does some really good work. I really, I really, and Eric as well. They're they're fantastic. They they really understand yeah. marketing incredibly well, and branding mm-hmm. is something that they do. Um, that I really, I really enjoy some of their projects that they do, and uh, some of the stuff that they uh the the limited cigars that they put out. And I know, I know, uh, you um, they're really big fan of your work too. So, I mean, how long have you mm-hmm. uh, you guys you kind of you guys have have like a have had a partnership for a while too i mean they 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 yeah. jump on pretty early as well or or is it just been in kind of the last couple mm, of years the last couple of years um i've been a part of dojo for for maybe three years or so and i've been on their show a handful of times mm-hmm. and um they told me i was i was actually down in denver and i was i was on the show live and they they said it live they, they said the reason why they wanted to uh do the branding and stuff for me they they just said they knew it was something special about this brand and they wanted to have a part in my journey. And they, they have a, a huge part of it now, you know, cause they did, they redid the bands for Warwich and they redid the bands for Lollibella. Um, they did the band for Fahrenheit, uh, Rosewood, all my, all my stuff is through them. That's awesome. So, yeah. Mr. Fahrenheit's the, uh, that's homage to your, your time on the, uh, as a firefighter. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, that was the thing I'm to Freddie Mercury because he sings Freddie about uh, uh, Mr. Fahrenheit and Don't Stop Me Now for Queen. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got, that's where I got the name from. I really like the stories behind your names, man. Like they're they're really cool stuff, and it's like a lot of them are dual themed as well. Like Rosewood, mm-hmm. obviously the ride, John Singleton. Um, you know, Warwick has an incredible story that you explained earlier, and then you know the uh, Lollabella. What's uh, what's the story there? Lalibella, the stone churches that were built into the ground in Ethiopia. So if you Google the, the images of the actual churches, they're phenomenal structures. Like, I don't, I, I, honestly, I don't know whoever built them and carved all that out. They're geniuses, you know. So um, it should be one of the wonders of the world, in my opinion. And a lot of people don't know that those churches even exist. And um, so now that's my way of, you know, of giving people a bit of history. 
and having them uh, while they're smoking a the cigar, they can look up the churches and look at it and read about them and that type of thing. Uh, do you know Do you know Nick Melillo from Foundation at all? Yeah, yeah, I know Nick. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and that guy's a that guy's an encyclopedia of Ethiopian history, man. Some really mm-hmm. that guy's mm-hmm. oh, he's such a he's such a he's such a fascinating person. I love talking to Nick every chance, and like his him and I have like a really nice uh, bizarre kinship around around okay. history and stuff. And he, I mean, his uh, you know his like his love of you know it goes back to his love of reggae music which has obviously okay. roots in Jamaica Jamaica has roots from Ethiopia and so he kind of just followed the train backwards and just fell in love with all these different cultures and stuff he's such a he's such a fascinating individual I love him yeah he put Holly Selassie on the on the band of um Tabernacle I think Tabernacle. it is yeah mm-hmm. yeah I think he's friends with the family of Holly Selassie yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah and uh Lord Carnarvon, Clare Castle, like I mean, he's mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. all he's all over the place, man, with some really cool stuff, great connections, and and just incredible stories and stuff. Uh, but like, like I said, I just um really uh really have enjoyed the branding that you've done with your cigars and everything. Really excited yeah, to see you, what brother. the project uh with Lazona, what you do there. Um, like you said, you'll have that available at PCA. Um, is there anything else yeah. that you're doing for this year's PCA here coming up in a few weeks? Yeah, so the name of the one from Arizona is called Maroon, M-A-R-U-N. Um, that's Yoruba, the Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. That's uh, in Yoruba, Maroon means five. So I went real simple with it. It's a fifth year anniversary stick. It's a Sumatra rapper, uh, Nicaraguan binder and filler. It's going to be a six by 50 uh, Vitola. And um, it's medium full uh, strength. Um, and then also I'm bringing out new sizes of a Lollibella and Dark Woolwich. Uh, so the Lollibella Lancero, seven and a half by 40 is coming. And then Lollibella Robustos, five by 50. And then Dark Woolwich is a pig size, is a pig perfecto. So it's a 4.75 by 60. Oh, nice. That was going to be my next question. Cause like most of your cigar releases are just single Vitola until, until what you just mentioned. Correct. Yeah, but that's that's a money factor, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have money to bring out eight different sizes for every gotcha. blend and all that. Yeah, I, I gotta but, I gotta bring it out in one one or two sizes, and then you know let the money build up, and then I add from there. But I think that to your point about that, though, why it necessarily it's a financial decision that also allows the quality of the cigar to like really you can concentrate on one cigar, one Vitola, what like the blend in Cause that's one of the, I mean, that that's what, I mean, frankly, that's one of the biggest challenges a lot of manufacturers deal with is when they release a cigar, they, they have to, they find a blend that's a, that's a winner for them. Mm-hmm. And then they're releasing it across three or four lines or three or four Vitolas rather. Right. And it's, I mean, it's complicated and it's time. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it's money, you know, like it's, it's a complicated, it's a complicated process. I mean, it, it's, um yeah so this this kind of has allowed you to like really perfect the cigar in each in each vitola that you've launched it in, and then the subsequent add-on vitolas that you're going to be adding here later this mm-hmm. year so that's cool um well fantastic um well well eric well um i've really really enjoyed talking to you about some of uh, these items um out um but before we get into there's a last you know we have some sponsored segments that we go through to kind of conclude our show so we have some few fun well, i call them mm-hmm. my fun segments so some mm-hmm. are cigar related some are not but this first one okay. is absolutely not so 
Uh, and don't worry, it's multiple choice, but we're doing a little bit of presidential trivia, which is our United Presidential Trivia segment, uh, which is always okay. brought to you by uh, United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabate and Byron Lines. So smoke one today and start living United. Now, Eric, you come from Chicago, Illinois. There have been four presidents that have uh, come from Illinois. Of course, uh, most notably Abraham Lincoln and Barack Obama, but uh, believe it or not, Ronald Reagan. Uh, there is a mm. fourth, uh, and that's that's who our question is revolved around. But I'm going to give you free reign. Do you know who the fourth president is from your state? Off the top of my head, no. Ulysses S. Grant. Mm. So, all right. So mm. that's who our question is about tonight. Ulysses S. Grant, cigar smoking president. So fantastic, good for him. But what <laughs> cigar producing country? Modern day, modern day cigar producing country, did Ulysses S. Grant try to annex into the United States while he was president? Was it A, Nicaragua, B, Honduras, C, Ecuador, or D, the Dominican Republic? Mm. Guessing, I'm going to say Dominican Republic. That's a very good guess, and that's absolutely right. So he tried to annex the Dominican Republic to the U.S. because uh for for a few actually different reasons one he there was is, is a military base um he also wanted it specifically as a sanctuary because you know he was obviously the president during reconstruction so you had thousands upon thousands of freed slaves and he mm. wanted to have a sanctuary for them okay. and uh, as a market for for us goods so mm. uh he actually had a treaty that was already approved by the Dominican people, um, but it actually stalled in the U.S. Senate, and so it actually never came to fruition. So obviously that's why the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic is not part of the U.S. But uh, um, he actually uh, – yeah, and it was actually – it wasn't even – because uh, Grant was a Republican. It wasn't even actually the, the Democrats that opposed it. It was actually his own party. So Charles Sumner, who was wow. a, fellow Repu- a fellow Republican – Senator at the time divided the Republican Party, killed the vote, and the Dominican mm. Republic is the Dominican Republic and not U.S. Dominican Republic now. So, right. about that. Okay. Um, so uh, obviously, you've spent time in the Dominican and in Nicaragua as well. What, uh, what, what, um, and factories in both? I mean, is there, is there, uh, you know, three factories in Nicaragua, uh, one in the Dominican, one in the U.S.? Mm. What, uh, um, what what are some of the biggest different? I want to I won't ask you the, the the stupid question of which one you like better, but like what what are some of the biggest differences between what you've seen of cigars manufactured in the Dominican and versus Nicaragua? I know every factory is different, so it's kind of hard to nail down. But what 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 key things have you noticed about the differences in the countries, the way they produce cigars? Um, I didn't see a, a, a huge difference between the two. Um, a lot of the a lot of the processes were the same, how they ferment stuff and how they age it. And, you know how they package and everything. They were they were they were pretty similar. You know between Esteli and and, uh, and Santiago Dominican Republic. Um, now the cities were definitely different. Uh, I like Santiago better than I like Esteli. Santiago was more uh, more modern. You know, like they have Uber Eats and stuff like that. You won't get that in Esteli. Yeah. Um, and then I don't eat meat, so it was it was a lot more stuff for me to eat in, in Santiago as opposed to Esteli. You know. So, but yeah, factory wise, it wasn't it wasn't a huge difference between the two. 
Yeah. Oh, what what got you into the tobacco de Isla with Hostos? Was it was it the, what really? How did that relationship blossom? He uh he reached out to me on Instagram. He's gonna go to PCA and he asked, could he come by and meet me and you know drop off samples? So I said, yeah, that's cool. You know, I I, I get that from a lot of factories, and I had never heard a lot Isla. And um, then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I have heard of it because Kyle does work out of uh, Kyle from Warp. He does work out of La Isla as well, uh, the Chinchale, and um, that's one of them that came out of it. And I actually I actually didn't like the Chinchale, and I typically like everything Kyle makes, but that one didn't. It didn't hit my palate. Yeah, same. Um, same. You know, it was I, I heard it's, it's sold out everywhere, but it, it just wasn't for me. So that kind of frowned me on on the factory initially. Then Ostos came by uh, my booth, uh, PCA, and um, we got to talk. And he asked where my cigars were made at, and I was like, you know, my cigars are made at Agonor Salif. And he said, Oh, well, Terrence Riley is my cousin. So, <laughs> so that yeah. that opened me up to That's be nice. more willing to work with them. So I uh, just did a little did a little investigation on him, like he did an investigation on me. Uh, to see if it would be a good for us, fit for us to work together, and it turned out it was it was a good fit, and so I put Fahrenheit together. Uh, Fahrenheit was originally called NFG twenty three. It was in a robusto size five by fifty, and I released it at an NFG twenty twenty three, and it was one of the top cigars for for the whole fest. So that's what prompted me to to bring it out nationwide. You know, my loyalty to underground is you know. I bring out new stuff through them first and then I release it everywhere else after that. Okay. So it's kind of like, yeah, so that's your, your test test to the community. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's, that's what started my relationship with La Isla and it's, 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 it's going strong. Like I, I, when I, I was, I was just down in Dominican Republic a couple of weeks ago and put a, put together some new blends down there and they're, they're young, but they're, they're phenomenal already. So I'm excited to see how they're going to smoke a month, two months in. You know, see how they change and how they age and, and how the flavors develop and everything. So, um, I got one that's a banger, and I, I'm like, I'm I damn near want to like green light that project right now. But I still got to go through my process and keep smoking it over time to see how it changes over for over time. Mm, that's awesome. I'm glad that that uh, that that uh, relationship is continuing to bear fruit for you. Um, you oh, mentioned yeah. this, uh, this is something I was going to talk to you about as well. So you, you mentioned how you don't eat meat. Uh, so are you a mm-hmm. vegetarian or are you a vegan? I'm a vegan when I'm at home. If I'm on the road, I'll eat cheese sometimes. Okay. But I don't. I won't eat meat though, and I won't eat a lot of cheese either because I'm lactose intolerant. It just if I eat too much of it, it tears my stomach up. So I have to eat it sparingly. You know, like if I'm in the Esteli or or uh, Santiago, yeah, I'll, I'll eat some cheese. But if I'm at home, I, I could kind of control the intake of the, of the dairy, you know, do you try other cheeses like sheep's milk, like Manchego or blue, like, you know, um, goat, goat cheese or anything like that? Or. Yeah. It's all cheese to me, bro. It's all the <laughs> same. Yeah. It's all the same to me. I mean, they're all meat products, obviously. So it really, I mean, it mm-hmm. really falls and stuff, but, um, I mean, have you, have you been vegan for uh, a number of years? Has this been something that's recent or. Nah, it's been about fifteen years now, bro. Long time, long time. What, what, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what prompted the change in the lifestyle? I mean, I'm always interested. With... Um, well, I stopped eating pork back in 1991, and that's because uh, a big, big follower of Malcolm X, and reading about him, and he talked so bad about pork and all that. And then scientifically, it's just it, it's it's not good for your body. So I stopped eating pork in 91. 
Um, I stopped eating beef because I got sick eating beef twice. So I was like, I'm going to cut that out. And then I don't know if you remember, it was the big oil spills in the ocean. And I was scared that the fish was going to have three eyes like on the Simpsons. <laughs> so I stopped eating fish. <laughs> I was down to uh, chicken and turkey. And I read this book called um, Skinny Bitch. And um, it's about it's, it's about vegetarian and vegan lifestyles. I read through that and I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm just done. You know, so I just I cut out the chicken and turkey, too. And I haven't gone back. Interesting. Do you, uh, do you do you miss it at all? Or are there times that are like. Nah, you know, not at all. Yeah, it's just been so uh, long. Yeah, it's been a long time. Like I would eat. Um, it's a restaurant here. It's a real popular uh, chicken fried chicken restaurant called Harold's. I used to eat that all the time. And then when I started eating meat after a certain time, I would go around, you know, just driving in, in the parking lot of a Harold's. And it didn't smell like chicken anymore. It just smelled like grease. So I was like, wow, that's what I, that's what I was eating. You know, so, yeah, no, I don't, I don't miss it at all. My wife, she, she eats meat. And um, I tried a little bit of her salmon one day, and it, it just tasted chewy. And, you know, and it, it didn't do anything for me. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. You know. What, so what so, is your day? What, what do you typically, like, dine on then? Like, what's, like, what's your, some of your go-to meals? Um, I don't have a go-to. I mean, a lot of vegetables, a lot of beans, uh, eat tofu. Um, I drink uh, my protein shakes are made of pea, uh, pea protein. Okay. So my protein shakes are made out of peas. So I, I have a protein shake in there. It's fifty grams per every uh, fifty grams of protein every uh, for every serving. Oh wow! So yeah, so I get plenty of protein. So that's 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 not an issue at all. So and it keeps my blood pressure down and. And a lot of stuff that, that black people are affected by because of the stuff that we eat and a lot of fried stuff. And, you know, a lot of that stems from like slavery and all that, because, they, you know, they weren't given the slaves weren't given good food to eat. They were given scraps and they just made made do with what they had. But, you know, when things change, they still kind of ate the same way. And then that's where a lot of disease and stuff comes from is from what you're eating. And then, you know, lack of water, lack of exercise, that type of thing. So. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I know we went off on a tangent there, but that was part of our presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars. Uh, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living United. Um, so this next segment is we we're, were talking about food. This is a perfect segue into our next segment, which is our Everybody Eats segment, sponsored by Postania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's <laughs> towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit with Postania. Everybody eats. So I have a series of questions in this segment that I always just pick one for my guest each week, Eric. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and fire this one at you. What is the... Uh, the food or dish that you like to make and share with other people. And since you're, mm. since you're a vegan, I figured this might be, this might be a unique one, a nice unique take on what you'd like to share with other people. Cause it's probably something that a lot of us don't necessarily gravitate toward on a daily basis. Cause I love, I love meat. So, I mean, <laughs> the most and the cigar the cigar industry does too. Like you know, I think we all have an. Un, I think there's an. Un, yeah. I, I I agree with you, man. I think there's an unhealthy obsession with bacon. I think people are way too obsessed with it. Um, yeah. 
I, I mean, I love bacon. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that people are way too obsessed with it. So, but yeah, fire away. Well, that's a tough one because I actually cook at the house almost every day, you know? So, um, so it's a different meal almost every day. Uh, I get a lot of my recipes off of Instagram. I follow a lot of different food sites and all that stuff on there. So I take, I take the recipes and I make it, uh, what I made tonight was, um, it was like an orange chicken, but the, the chicken was made with chickpeas. And then we had uh, roasted Brussels sprouts with it and then uh, some quinoa. Okay. So, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Fantastic. That sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it was good. I, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of vegetarian dishes that I like uh, quite a bit. And I love a lot of like, like, like. Like I'm, I'm really big into beans too. I really like beans. I really like mm. lentils. I could get down mm-hmm. some lentils, man. Like yeah. really good stuff. Split peas, fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and unlike most people, I think a lot of people like will they make split pea soup and they'll like throw a ham hock or something in there. I like just <laughs> the split peas by themselves, man. Like just seasoned really well and just cook them down yeah. and stuff, and they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you put some liquid smoke in there to add a little smoky flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah, you could do that with no, with no <laughs> problem. Um, so, well, here's an interesting question because there's because there's anchovies in it. Um, do you do you use Worcestershire sauce at all, or do you stay away from it? They have a vegan version of it. <laughs> so I use. Oh that. shit! Okay, mm-hmm. of course there is. Yeah, okay. Didn't even think about that. I guess there are. There would be. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's probably a lot easier today than, you know, that, well, I mean, you, you, you've been free of me just for a few years now, but I mean, like back in 1991, when you started, I mean, it was probably a lot more difficult and stuff. Cause yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, 91, I was still eating other meats. It's just pork was the first one that I cut out. Yeah. So, but when I went like vegetarian slash vegan, like it was like Boca burgers and it was like, yeah, it was terrible, bro. You know? So but over the years, and there was no social media and all that, so it was hard to find recipes and all that. But now it's it's, it's everywhere. Almost every restaurant has at least one or two uh, plant based meals, you know, because they they don't want to miss out on any money either, and they want to have you know people that come that everybody be able to enjoy something at their restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot it's a lot easier now, you know. What's your like since we the show has been the, the, the trade show's been in Vegas the last few years and stuff, what's your favorite restaurant to go to in Vegas that, that could obviously that obviously has good meals for, for someone with your diet? Um, we always stop in Yarbert. I love you know, Yarbert. I, oh. Yeah, I eat the uh, I get the sides. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, the sides are phenomenal. I just mm-hmm. I just don't bother with the meat. You know, so I usually do like a company dinner there. It's like I appreciate the people that, that that come and help me and all that. So I, I take them out to dinner at Yardbird. I love Yardbird. Yeah. Oh God, it's one of my, it's it it that is my I know like people will choose like bizarre meats and some other like steakhouses and stuff. Yardbird mm-hmm. is my favorite restaurant in Vegas, hands yeah, down. Yeah. I fucking yeah. love that place. Um, mm-hmm. but speaking of pork though, that's the one dish I can't stand. It's their, their smoked, mm. is their smoked ribs. I, I can't, I like they're, they, 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 I don't, it's some kind of spice one that they use. I'm just like, nope, nope, okay. nope, nope, nope. Mm. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I'm no, I'm out. Yeah. Fried chicken. So that's the main thing change. about, about cooking period. It doesn't matter if it's vegetables or meat. If you don't season it right, it's not going to taste good. Yeah. Yeah. But everything else there is fantastic. Holy cow. So good. Mm. Um, 
Well, that's great. Um, just can I ask another question about this specifically? Um, it'll come to me. Yeah. It really does. I guess it obviously wasn't that important, but um, um. Oh yeah, the um. So desserts like are do you have a do you have a sweet tooth do you like uh do you like any particular not that meat finds finds its way into too many desserts but like do you have a do you have a sweet tooth at all or because it seems like you eat pretty um, he- pretty healthy and everything so sometimes it depends i like reese's cups uh i'll eat pies like apple pie uh ice cream i'll eat ice cream uh whether it's dairy or not they have vegan ice cream now too even ben and jerry's makes ben a uh, vegan ice cream so I eat ice cream every once in a while, but, but once again, like I said, if it if it uh if I have too much dairy, I'll be gassy and my stomach hurts, and you know, and then my wife doesn't want to be around me because it just stinks because I'm farting <laughs> all the time, you know. So you know, so I try not to go too crazy on it, even though it tastes good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. oh, that's what I was gonna say about. So yeah, I, I'm a I'm a huge burger fan. I love I love burgers. But one of my favorite burgers of all time. I'm gonna have to get. I'll get the name of the food truck and I'll send it to you next time you're down. They they were up here in Fort Worth, and I would okay. go and see them all the time. And they made incredible other burgers. It really didn't matter. Every time I would go there, I would get their vegetarian burger. Um, okay. It was it was a beet burger. Yeah, I love beets. And, and they and it was <clears throat> fantastic. It's so freaking good. It was so yeah. stinking good, and then they moved down to Austin, so I haven't had it and been had it in a few years, unfortunately. But that's where they have that's where they are now. So I'll I'll, I'll get the name. I I have it. I, I follow them still on Instagram, so I'll grab it for you and I'll send it to you. But next time you're in Austin, you got to check it out, man. It is a phenomenal no burger. Holy cow, it's so good. No um, and what I'm smoking here is uh, actually the NFG 24. Okay, and this one's rolled by Tabacla La Isla. Okay. So it's a Sumatra wrapper with a San Andreas binder and Nicaraguan Dominican filler, six by fifty-two, medium full. And that just happened, right? The mm-hmm. uh, G Fest. No, it's uh, March ninth. March coming 9th. up. Coming up. I know it's at the beginning of the year, so um, mm-hmm. they always do it here in the in the first quarter and everything. So that's exciting, mm-hmm. right before mm-hmm. PCA. So you're going bang bang back to back, man. Two big events. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. March is gonna be busy for me. Does your wife accompany you on these trips, or does she stay back at home? No, she doesn't smoke. Like she was smoking a few cigars. She comes to one of my events, but that's here in Chicago. She doesn't travel with me. I've invited her several times, but she my, she's here with my daughter and, and that type of thing. So yeah, you got the need somebody to take care of the house and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, got the nine year old at home. Yeah, stuff that. Um, like how many days out of the year do you travel? Hmm. I don't know days. I'm in two cities a month. Okay. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Last year I did a hundred events, bro. So yeah, days. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So about a third of the year, you'd say, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, that was our everybody eats segment. Spots your buy Pastania cigars. It's always if you always make sure that your servant style is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Pastania cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. Pastania, everybody eats. Uh, just a couple more questions before we conclude our night, Eric. Uh, and another great mm-hmm. segue, un- unbeknownst to you, you know, you talked about um, events and time with people and time with family and everything. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's what's great about the smoking cigars. You know, you and I are smoking a cigar tonight together. It's done virtually, but we typically smoke cigars with people. That's 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 what's really great about the cigar community. It's is it's done with people. Um, but every so often we get to smoke alone. That brings our asylum moment of refuge. Our next segment is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of great life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So this segment, Eric, is about um, just that. The, a moment in, in time and smoking a cigar. Again, we, 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 we tend to smoke cigars around people all the time. We're always about being around folks, about the community. But every so often, whether it's just simply a moment of reflection, maybe it's mm-hmm. a celebratory event, you know, whatever, we, we find ourselves grabbing a cigar and smoking alone. So um, you've mm-hmm. probably had several of these moments in your lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. So what's, what's a moment that comes to mind where it was just you smoking a cigar, Maybe you were listening to music. Maybe you were watching a movie. Maybe you were doing something else. What was that moment about, if you can remember? And if you can remember, what was the cigar you were smoking? I, I smoke by myself all the time um, because I this is my man cave. So it's a detached garage from my house. And my, and my wife, she knows this in my area, so she doesn't really bother with out here. So I come out here anytime I want to think and just be alone. I, I'm always listening to music. Whether it's R and B, rap, or rock, or classical music, I listen to damn near everything. Um, and it's just time for me to reflect and then see what what am what am I doing in my life that I need to do better. You know, what what can I do for Black Star Line to make it better? Or I'm out here thinking about blends, or I'm smoking samples, or you know, um, you know, those are times uh, that that I'm out smoking by myself. Um, a lot of times it's samples because I'm, I'm out here all I'm, I'm, I'm constantly developing things. Even when I'm cooking meals, I'm tasting the seasonings and all that stuff because I'm trying to strengthen my palate to different different tastes of stuff that I'm using to cook. Um, or I'll switch up from whiskey to wine because the wine has different aspects than whiskey and it, that helps to build my palate as well. So a lot of what I'm doing is just all palate driven and, and, and me making myself better by sitting in and self-reflecting on, on what needs to happen next. Um, you know, who I need to call next uh, or uh, did the bands make it to Nicaragua or Dominican Republic? Th- those are the type of things that are going through my head when I'm smoking by myself. Or I'm just simply out here just enjoying some music and I just want to get a, get out of the house and I don't want to go to a lounge in Chicago. Interesting. Um, so you, you, you said you find yourself doing that quite a bit and everything. What What's a, if I, if I may, like what, what, what's a recent epiphany that you've had in one of these moments of reflection that that uh, that kind of has changed either the course of Black Star Line or has really affected your life. Oh, um, for Black Star Line, it's 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 more so that we we need to make sure that we selling out these products before they even make it into the states. So that's what we've been focusing on now. And I actually, Mike Rosales was over here smoking with me at, in the garage, and we were talking about that. And he told me he was like, "Man, if if you're starting to sell the product when it's already in the warehouse." you're behind the eight ball, bro. It was like, you need to really start pushing and talking to the retailers and making sure that they're buying before it even leaves the factory. And then by the time it gets to the States, it's already sold. Then I can go and re-up and and start the whole process again. So that's one of the things that we've been working on is making sure that we're letting the retailers know like, hey, we got a whole new order coming from Aganorth. I got 30,000 cigars coming from Aganorth in mid-March. So we've already been been working on selling them, selling them out. Like Lollibella Robusto is almost sold out already. 
you know, and it's 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 a new size and and uh it's not even here. It's still it's still in in uh, at Tapsa. So that one's almost sold out. Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit just came back. And uh when it came back, we already had 90 back orders for it already. So that one's moving fast as hell. You know, and then everybody's getting the word about maroon. I haven't dropped a press release for it yet, but people are buying maroon already too, and they, and they just started rolling it. So I put that plan into effect so I can get my money back faster, and then I can get more product on the market faster too. Okay. Mm-hmm. What um, what would you say is like the biggest the biggest challenge of of starting? from scratch like you said you 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 shopped around you tried to find a partner took a while to get with LT and bronze and that that's led to these other relationships that we talked about in this entire conversation and everything yeah apart from that like what do you think has been the biggest challenge for you starting a brand and, and here we are five years in and uh mm. has been the biggest challenge for you uh just getting the word out because there's thousands of cigars of smoke Right. So you have to make sure that your brand stands out amongst all the other brands that are out there. Um, another thing is, is, and it's unfortunate, it seems like a lot of uh, black companies that want to be in the business, they, they're not going about it, whereas um, they're actually developing a product. They'll go and buy bundles from Orlando or Tampa or something and slap a band on it and then start selling it. So then I have to differentiate myself from people that are buying existing blends that may be sold in Florida and uh, uh, Texas somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, so I have to distinguish myself from like, I call them band owners because they didn't develop, they didn't develop the cigar. It was already some existing blend that, that somebody's just selling, you know, so I, I deal with that a lot. And that's why I never hide what factory that I come out of because every fact that I work with, work with is very notable in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. so they know if i'm coming out of those factories i didn't just go buy some bundles bro like i the product was developed it was rolled you know so it was it was made it was made from scratch you know it wasn't somebody's existing blend and, and i just bought it every every blend that i got it came from my mind so mm-hmm. um you know you mentioned that you know i i think we have we have to talk about it but I didn't mm-hmm. really want to make it a focus of tonight's piece because I really wanted to talk just about your your personal story, your personal yeah. cigars and everything. But um, you know, Sean Williams, you mentioned your mentor. He he kind of he kind of started, you know, you know, in some way, form, or fashion. He was probably, if he wasn't the first, he was one of the first black yeah. brand owners and in scar manufacturers and, and 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 blenders too you know i know he's done a lot of blending his own as well mm-hmm. um but there isn't really that many what and I, I you might have touched on it just now when you were kind of talking about do you think there's a reason for that or do you think because i mean i feel like there's a very and, and this might just be my ignorance i'm obviously not a black man Mm-hmm. But I feel like there. I feel like cigars are very prominent in black culture. There's a very strong black contingent of of cigar smokers, and there's obviously a yeah. market for it. Um, mm-hmm. wh- why do you think there's not that many black cigar owner, uh, black cigar make? Uh, I'm gonna mouthful here. Cigar companies that are owned by black individuals. Mm. 
Well, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure um, there. I mean, there was a list that was put out of, of a bunch of black owned companies. And um, I want to say there's like 170 of them. It's just they're unknown. And then. Like I said, it's the process of how they went about the company. Like some of some some of them actually do get their cigars. Well, Carolina Blue, he he, yeah. Chris is the owner. He develops his cigars. Right. I know Emperor Emperor's Cut comes out of uh, La Aurora, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's De- just Desiree. Some people like to in. take a lot. Yeah, and you know? then uh, a lot of people, a lot of like to take shortcuts. Like when I came into the industry, I didn't just come in. I went and did my homework. I went and. I sat with Skip and Mike from Roma Craft. I talked to Lito Gomez. Pete Johnson sat with me. Um, Sean Williams. You know, I, I met I met Sean Williams and Skip and Mike on the same day. You know, at, a, at an event. And at the time, I, I actually didn't know didn't know who Sean Williams was, but he's giving me advice early on as well. So Jonathan Drew, he's another one that gave me a lot of advice from inception. You know, that's why we're friends now. Um, so. The way I went about it was I went and sought out a lot of the brands and the owners of the brands that I was smoking at the time. And I got their advice. And that's uh, largely a part of why Black Star Line is so successful is because I did the work behind not just starting a company and slapping a band on. I went and did the work and got advice from all these, in, in my opinion, they're titans, you know. So I went and went and talked to some big guys and, and, and they, they gave me everything that I needed and I ran with it. Mm-hmm. And I still seek them out. If I if there's something I'm confused about or something I think I'm doing wrong. I, like you mentioned Postanya. Yeah, I call Mike. I mean, me and Mike talk at least twice a week. Yeah. You know, he's a good friend of mine. You know, so, you know, we I, I have a lot of people in my corner that really want to see me win. Boofy, he wants to see me win. He's a, he's a, he's a great friend of mine. He told me, he was like, man, you know, man, I'm honorary Black Star Line. Anything you need, I got you. So, you know, Carlito told me to my face that he was like, bro, he was like, I follow you on Instagram. And he was like, man, you you breathe a new life into the cigar industry, man. And uh, that that almost brought a tear to my eyes because Carlito's the man. Yeah. You know, for, uh, you know, for Arturo Fuente, he's the man, you know, so. I've 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 gained the respect of a lot of people from not only just asking for advice, but then they see the work that I'm doing mm-hmm. after they gave me the advice and they saw what they gave me. It wasn't, you know, it went in one ear and out the other. You know, I listen to everybody and I take something from everybody and I implement it with Black Star Line. Yeah, I mean you mentioned like you said, you mentioned as Titans. Like I think that's I think in a word that's a that's tremendous work that you've done you've you've put in a lot of the hard work as you mentioned you've 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 networked with some of the 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 more successful people that have done it you know like you mentioned skip mm-hmm. and mike and you know sean i mean you know, sean's got an incredible story you know I, yeah. I i still think el premier mundo was probably one of the most underrated cigars for the time that he ran it, it, was, um, it was a good cigar bro good cigar he had some great great blends um mm-hmm. whole uh the Epif- the Epifania, holy shit, that cigar was fucking mm-hmm. fire. Uh, yeah, Lugione helps me out a lot. Laram and Dar- you know, yeah, you know, Dion's fantastic. Yeah, you know, for that. yeah, you know, I'm distributed by Lugione, mm-hmm. right? So I get advice from them all the time. I'm I'm on the phone with them almost daily, you know. So they help me out a lot. You know, they they believe in me wholeheartedly. Everybody does, 
you know, so I, I can't let anybody down. So <laughs> yeah, the, the advice is not wasted. I, and I think you did a really great job there too, Eric, to, to be honest, like, like you mentioned underground was the first start, like they've got an incredibly strong community. Um, mm-hmm. as we talked about as well, like that, that was a huge thing for you. And then, uh, and that's a community that believes in small companies too. Yeah. Like you're, you're not yeah. like he bought you on, he bought you on blind faith of, of just the, the factory you were working with that just happened to be a coincidence, but mm-hmm. they do that. They, they, do, they really, they do really latch onto a lot of small brands that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. And they, they bring a lot of, a lot of small brands attention, which is really great. And then uh, what I love what Dion's doing with Illusiona, his distribution company, he's bring a lot of small market companies to, to mm-hmm. the light with you, uh, you know, to, to, to market, which is really great. And I think it's because he saw what a, what a battle it was for him, you know, and he's mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. incredibly prime knew what he was doing. He has got probably the most refined palate in the industry, arguably. Yeah. Yep. Um, a cigar brand that has been is incredibly well respected. I mean, people yeah. talk about Epernay, you know, synonymous with some of the most iconic cigars yeah. in the industry. And so Oh, I know Salif. Yeah, I think he saw the battle that he went through and that's why he's 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 helping out individuals like y'all. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's great that that was a great partnership choice by you as well. Yeah, so. Terrence and Terrence and Eduardo, they they helped me out tremendously too. And if I need to bounce something off of Terrence, I'll call him or text him. He'll tell me his perspective on it, and then I'll make a decision. Yeah, yeah some great people. Some great people in your corner, Eric. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Well, um, Lord, we are towards the here, towards the end of our show. We got one last question for you. Okay. Um, and uh, and again, but before we get there, uh, Eric, I just want to thank you so much for your time tonight, man. I know it's I know we're Anytime, both central brother. time, but it's it, you know, I know it's late on a Sunday evening. You mentioned how much you mm-hmm. travel, got a big month coming up where you're going to be spending yeah. time away from your, from your family, your daughter, yeah. your wife. Uh, and for you to spend an evening with me, it really means a great deal to me. So it, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't go unnoticed and I'm, I'm greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime brother. Anytime. So that leads <clears throat> us to our last question of the night, which is our Dunbar and tobacco and trust curveball segment, fastballs or curveballs. It doesn't matter Jeez. since the company's inception. Steve sock has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up. Everybody nine, nine consecutive years in the consensus top three including the number one cigar in the consensus this year. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. Mm-hmm. All right. So here it is. I think you may have said it and you can certainly correct me when you told the story mm-hmm. about being a firefighter, but I have to imagine that that last day on the job when you sustained your injury was probably the worst day on the job. Maybe I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but what was it about obviously that spearheaded a career into black star line where you launched yourself into full force. And so that opened up a huge door. Mm-hmm. Have you had a worse day in the cigar industry? What was it and what doors did it open up for you? Mm, where's the day? Um, well, as a young company, you always struggle with money. So that could be numerous days for me. Because the thing is, yeah, I make a lot. Of, I sell a lot of cigars, but every bit of money I get, it goes right back into cigars. <laughs> so you know, so until I can get off that merry-go-round, you know, it's, that's still a tough day for me. You know, um, the last order I placed with Agonorce was for a hundred thousand dollars. You know, so that's for a young company. That's a lot of a lot of money, mm-hmm. and uh, I spent a hundred thousand dollars with them last year too. 
you know, so um, for a young company, man, it's, it's, it's tough because everybody sees like, you know, the, the final product of me selling cigars and it's fun at the events and all of that. But they don't know that all the profit that I make for it, it literally goes right back into tobacco, whether I'm bringing out new sizes or I'm working with another factory or or I'm just re-upping on, 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 on the current product, you know, because if you take too long to get the product back on the market, then people start to forget about you. Because like I said, there's thousands of cigars out there and, and people are, you know, if they can't get what they want, then they go on to something else. So, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. It's really tough. It's, it's, it's a tough business. It's very cash intensive, you know, uh, paying for the bands, uh, paying for the boxes, because that's all the, those those costs are separate from the tobacco. You know, you got to pay the S chip and all that stuff. So it's very tobacco business is very cash intensive, you know, and if you don't have the capital for it, then you might not last that long. Yeah, it's it's uh, it is very expensive. And mm-hmm. uh, and to say nothing of the money that you're forking over, but it's also a money game in the sense of like you mentioned when you launched with LT and bronze, brand new company right out the gate, you're selling cigars for higher than average, you know, the $16, $17 cigar. I mean, that's I mean, here I'll I'll give you an example of this, Eric. And I feel like this is and and, and I think they've found success in their own right. Mm-hmm. But I think they would be a very different company if they had started off differently. And that company was Ezra Zion. At the uh, time yeah, when yeah. they launched. Yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, when they launched, mm-hmm. they were, you know, $12, $13 cigars, mm-hmm. which, which at the time was in your world was the 16 or 17. So they were at the upper echelon mm-hmm. and a brand new company that no one ever heard of. And they're, they're selling, you know, $12, $13, $14 smokes. And. And while that's average today, at the time it was it was very expensive, and I and I and, and that was really hard to because I was in yeah. I was working retail at the time. That was really hard to get into people's hands and yeah. make them realize it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would have been a much different a much different company today had they been able to start it in a different place. Yeah. And so, but I think where to give credit where credit is due for you. Mm-hmm. I think you realize that very quickly yeah. and you're able to make some really nice adjustments, make some great connections in the industry and yeah. to where you were able to get some cigars that were more in the wheelhouse a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and that's probably why you've, you've found some, some pretty nice success. Where do you see mm-hmm. the future of black Starling? Like where, 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 what would you like to happen in what, in the next five years, you know, when you're celebrating the 10th anniversary of black Starline, what, what do you envision seeing it being? Um, at least 200 lounges. Uh, I, I would like for uh, Cigar Aficionado to acknowledge that I exist. <laughs> you know, Cigar Journal, those those type of publications. Uh, because you know, the, you get a lot of lot of press and, and a lot of notoriety by by being acknowledged by those organizations. Um, and then just selling a shit ton of cigars and having a good time, bro. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you think you'll do you think you'll be uh, are are you international currently or are you only in the States? Only in the States right now. Now I did enter back for the first time two years ago. And we didn't get a distributor while we were there. And so I didn't go last year because I had to make a decision if I was gonna spend that money to go over there and possibly not get a distributor at all. Again, um I was talking to David Blanco while we were there in Dortmund. 
And he said he had to go to enter the bag uh, five years in a row just to get his first order through a distributor. And uh, as he's saying that, I'm doing the math in my head of what I spent for that one trip and multiply that by five. And I was like, well, so you saying I'm going to have to spend close to 30 grand before I can get, you know, a distributor to pick us up. And that's that's a pretty penny, you know, yeah. to, to just go over there and just market, you know. So, um, so I, I made a decision not to go this last year, but I, I'll be, I'll be back there this year. So. Interesting. Okay. Well, good luck with that, man. I mean, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll break that streak and you'll find a distributor this time and make that worth it for you. That's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, um, Eric, thank you so much again, once again, for your time tonight. Uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Really enjoyed getting to know you talking about your journey and everything. Same here. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic story. Just really, really terrific. Um, I'm really excited to see where the success is. Um, really, really excited to smoke that cigar that's coming out of Lazona. Can't wait to write oh, yeah. Rosewood later tonight as I'm kind of editing the show and everything. I'll be doing some work late and everything. But uh, mm. I I do greatly appreciate you. I'm looking forward to seeing you here in a couple weeks at the PCA. So that'll be good. So. Indeed. Um, but uh, for everyone out there, we really do appreciate everyone that was tuned in tonight. If you are checking us out on our Facebook live page, we broadcast live here every Sunday night, 930 p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can also check out our YouTube channel on LLC for more. Hit the subscribe button while you're there. But if you're listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean or iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure you download, subscribe and review. Uh, make sure, if you already are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe. That actually helps my numbers and boosts me up the list. So, and that's the only reason Eric agreed to join me tonight was he saw how great my numbers were. Just kidding. That's not how, <laughs> that's not how the conversation went at all, but please download, subscribe, review. Don't forget to review. Uh, and if you do think I'm terrible, like the one star, uh, rating that you give me, be sure to leave a comment so you can tell me why I suck. Uh, cause that feedback's pretty invaluable. I really would like to know why you think I'm terrible. Um, but uh, for everyone out there, really do appreciate all those comments. <laughs> Keep them coming, uh, and we'll have another great show for you next week. Can't wait to talk to. Can't wait to see Eric at PCA. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the march towards PCA comes in just a couple of weeks. We'll be out there doing some great interviews as part of the Cigar Coop Coalition. Yeah, well, everyone, that we're going to go ahead and call it a night. This was our 281st take. Done 281st, 281 of these. It's incredible. We're we're marching towards 300. We'll be there by the end of the year. As always, this is Barry Duplessis live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. He's Eric Bay. I'm Barry Duplessis. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.